Well, where should we begin this morning as we begin teaching? And I guess the answer to that is, well, it just depends. Um, see, for me, if I have been around something for a long time, I have one place that I could begin because I'm comfortable with something. I, I kind of know the ins and outs and, and I know kind of how it works. So I know where to begin when I'm familiar with something. But if something is new to me and I don't know, uh, maybe a new skill or it could be a new job or it could be a new class that I was taking, it doesn't matter if it's completely new to me, that requires a totally different approach for me. Now, when I began in youth ministry years and years and years ago, I wasn't starting at a new place. Uh, my youth minister, when I was a teenager, had gathered up a few of us as students, and he began teaching us how to be a youth minister. And so I, I had a beginning place. When I began in my own student ministry, I had a starting place. I didn't have, I, I continued to learn, but I had a starting place already. I knew how to begin and where to go. And then over the course of that 17-year career, every year I learned more and more and more and more and applied it and grew in that ministry. But that was youth ministry. When I began church planting, which is when someone goes to a town and they start a church from scratch, basically. We're not talking about a church split. We're talking about a church start. Starting from scratch, this was back in 2005 when I began church planting. I knew nothing about church planting. I had so much to learn. I knew about student ministry, but I knew zero about church planting, and about pastoring. I had everything to learn. And before I started church planting, several years before that, I began learning and training. I began um, to, to, to uh, I had coaches, just like you have a, an athletic coach. I had a church planting coach. And in fact, at one time, I had three church planting coaches, all teaching me a different aspect of the church planting um, um, field. So I had everything to learn. I had to go and learn absolutely everything. Focus on the basics. It's amazing how when you don't know anything about a topic, how easy it is to focus on the basics because you want to know the basics. Now, this brings us around to our goal for 2023 as a church. We've talked about this now for three weeks. This is week number four. We have one more week left in this series. This whole time, we're trying to prepare you for where we are going as a church. For all of us, we hope to get to that place where we can honestly say we love Jesus more and more and more. That's what we want. That's what we desire. And this year, if we're going to get to that place where we love Jesus more and more and more, then the question is, where do we begin? Where do we start? Because for me, it's one thing to try to start when I don't know anything about it, but it's a whole nother thing completely different to begin when I do know some things and you do know some things about it. For many of us, maybe all of us, we already know so much about this thing called church. We know some things already about God and about Jesus. And see, most of us feel like 
that we pretty much have those basics figured out. And so now we might have this feeling it's time to move on to deeper things, to bigger, deeper questions, more complicated stuff. Most of us, maybe even all of us, have some kind of church background experience. Even if it was our parents dragging us when we were children, or our grandparents every time we visited grandma, she drug us to church. We have some kind of background related to church, related to Jesus, related to religion. And we know that for some of us, that's the reason why we had some feelings that we had about church, because we were drugged through it. And that's the reason why many of us have maybe kicked it to the curb at some point in our lives. That's why perhaps we have done that. Still, maybe since then, you have come back into the church, back today, for all of us, we are here today, <laughs> and maybe still, for some reason, in the back of your mind, you may not have changed your mind a whole lot about what this church thing is about, which is why, for many of us, uh, we're kind of guarded. We have our walls up a little bit when we walk in here, and especially if we say things that we've been saying in this series about this whole church thing you know, about following Jesus. We've been saying Jesus wants us to go all in with Jesus. And as we've talked about that for the past few weeks, it might be a little bit unnerving for you to hear that because of your experience with this topic in the past. And while your experience may be extensive, it's possible that it wasn't exactly the best experience. So where do we begin? Where do we begin if we want to love Jesus more and more and more? And especially if we have some kind of history with Jesus and the church, whether that history be good or bad, where do we begin? How do we get from where we are right now to where, toward where I think maybe you want to be, where I want to be, where I want to go a deeper, better more fulfilling connection with Jesus. So let me introduce us to the Lombardi principle. Vince Lombardi is uh, one of the most well-known successful coaches in America in the NFL. He won the first two Super Bowls, and uh, that's the, uh, you know, the NFL championship. <laughs> People like me, that has to be explained to them. Um, Cole loves it when we get to include sports uh, on a Sunday morning. Um, and so he's having a ball right now at this very moment in Malvern. Um, and I have the ball over here. Um, he won the first two Super Bowls. Um, this guy knew football, and he was coaching men who also knew football. These were professionals. While they weren't paid like they're paid today, they were professionals. They knew the game of football, and he was their coach, and he knew the game, and yet every single season, Vince Lombardi would begin every single season, and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. He started every season with the basics. There's a basketball coach, uh, a collegiate coach. His name's John Wooden, a famous basketball coach, and he took a very similar approach in his basketball coaching career. And he was coaching 
not professional athletes, but very skilled college athletes. And every season he began this way by saying, gentlemen, this is how we put on our socks. (laughs) Again, it's just the basics. You see, they knew something. These coaches knew something. No matter how much you have been exposed to something, how much you may be an expert, we can't ever ignore the basics. It would be as if Cole and I were to say, church, folks, this is Jesus. And it would seem that the Apostle Paul agrees with us. Or I think it would be better for us to say that we agree with the Apostle Paul. Paul, like these coaches, Paul was an expert. And he was among the greatest church planters who ever lived. Uh, He was maybe even the best church planter who ever lived. He was considered one of the most influential people in all of Christian history. Before he ever met Jesus, and after he met Jesus, it went through the roof. But before he met Jesus, he was still like right up here, way high. Here, here's Paul was extremely well educated. He was a Pharisee. He came from a family of Pharisees. These were religious law experts. Paul was a student of the most famous rabbi, not including Jesus, the most famous rabbi before Jesus. Paul was a student of his. That man was well-respected, which means as a student of his, Paul was well-respected. And Paul had a mastery of the subject. But in spite of that, here's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He said, When I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I did not come to you with the brilliance of speech or wisdom, even though if Paul wanted to, he could. He was so well-educated. He could have, but he didn't. Then Paul writes this, For I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except, so in other words, here's what Paul's getting ready to say, if there's only one thing that I can impart to you, these young followers I'm writing to, this is it, this is my chance, here's what I want to say. And this is what he said, I didn't want to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's as if Paul is saying, hey, gentlemen, listen, listen up. This is Jesus. He's starting from the basics, the very, very basics. This is Jesus. And even though he could have wowed them with his intellect or his ability to reason or his logic, he did not. He could have quoted them the law both in Aramaic and he could have quoted it a second time in Greek, but he did not. Paul just wanted them to understand the basics. Gentlemen, this is Jesus. Now that powerful concept translates to us today. Sometimes in our fast-paced, catchphrase, social media, Twitter, TikTok, attention span, limiting world, sometimes we have a tendency to forget Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Honesty check. Most of us, I've already proved it this morning for me, 
most of us are notorious forgetters about things that are fundamental. How many times did I have to ask Jordan what time our group started? We forget. We are notorious forgetters of the fundamentals. Once we believe that we have a grasp of something and we move on to deeper things, we have a tendency to forget some of those fundamentals. Once we feel like we've moved on beyond Jesus 101, we move on to 201 and 301 and 401. It's amazing how soon we actually forget. When I was in college, um, I was getting close to my graduation. It was nearing. I saw it. I saw it was there. I had already done all the tough stuff. I had finished all the hard classes, and one of those hardest I remember was constitutional law. At that time, I thought I would be a lawyer. Now I look back and I think, the dreaded lawyer. <laughs> yeah, that would, have, that would have been funny. So um, obviously, y'all don't think it's funny, but I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> the dreaded lawyer. And so I finished all of those classes. I was done, but I had put off this one class that was just there, and I just wanted to ignore it because I really don't care for it. So I just put it off, put it off, put it off, and it was college algebra that I should have taken as a freshman. And here I was getting close to graduation. I took college algebra. Here's the problem. I had not had algebra since the ninth grade of high school. And that had been like six or seven years ago. I had not had another math class outside of geometry. You can't count that. Is that real math? You can't count that. So I'm like, I take it, and, and suddenly I realize I'm in big trouble. I have forgotten not some of the basics. I forgot all the basics every bit of it while I was focusing on these higher classes, right? I forgot it all. That one class almost cost me (laughs) my graduation date. I got through, I don't know how, but it almost cost me. I had forgotten all of those basics. Wow. And still to this day, I find myself needing to be reminded, reminded of the fundamentals, the basics. I have to have that. Gentlemen, this is a football. Gentlemen, this is how we put on our socks. Gentlemen, this is Jesus. This truth, which is foundation to every other truth in our lives, and that truth we're talking about has a name, the name of Jesus. And it's interesting how Lombardi and how Wooden refuse to allow their teams to forget those very basics. They constantly reminded their teams, professionals and great college athletes, that it always begins with the fundamentals over and over and over again. One might say that they were ferocious about the fundamentals of the foundation. They were right. Because we all have this constant pull towards forgetting the foundation, forgetting the basics. There was actually a why behind John Wooden starting every season by teaching his players how to put on their socks. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but if they did not get that basic right, then they would end up partway through their season with giant blisters on their feet. And that would mean 
they, had, they would have to sit the bench or they would be playing at 50%. And he couldn't have that. Forgetting that would cause a disaster because forgetting truly is a destructive cycle in our life. But honestly, we're all guilty of that. I know I am. I mean, we're told something and we do it for a while, for a while. And then we kind of get the hang of it. So we think we've got it and then we tend to slack off a bit, right? We slack off. Oh, I've got this figured out. We slack off on a few things, not everything, just some things. Got it figured out. But the truth is, we don't really have it all figured out. We're just comfortable with it. And then something has to happen to get us uncomfortable so that someone comes along and they correct us and they get us doing it the right way again. So now we remember and do it the right way again for a while. And then we get comfortable. And then we start slacking on the basics. Someone has to correct us again. And yes, it's uncomfortable, but when they do, we remember and we start doing it right. We're doing it right for a while. (laughs) And we go over and over. That cycle continues round and round and round. It sounds a whole lot like parenting teenagers, right? Yes, it does. Teenagers, sorry about that. But it is true. (laughs) So it sounds like that. But we go through, all of us, even adults, We go through that very same cycle. We do the very same thing. And it might sound like this. So we might decide that we need to begin reading uh, some scripture. You know, we see this throughout scripture. We find this with Israel uh, in the Old Covenant. So Israel, this was the nation that God hand chose, and he was going to use them Um, to tell the world about himself, and he was going to use them to redeem the world through himself. He was going to use the nation of Israel as a pathway to help correct what happened when humanity broke. And Israel battled the very same cycle that we battle, that our teenagers battle, that our children battle. Among the unconditional promises that God made to Israel, he also made them a conditional promise. It's in there. It's pretty interesting. And they would follow that conditional promise for a while. They would do what God asked them to do. They would hold up their end of the bargain with that conditional promise. But then they would get comfortable, and soon they would stray They would forget about the basics, and so God would hit them with a little bit of tough love. It would be uncomfortable, but it was tough love, and or you know something like uh, they would have seventy years in captivity. Tough love, which would make them even more uncomfortable. Which would remind them, oh, we better get back to the basics. So they would move back to the basics again, and they would begin following God again. And then the cycle would continue. They would then forget. And they would stray, and God would hit them with some tough love, and then they would remember again and follow God for a while, and then they would get comfortable, and they would stray, and it just went over and over again. In fact, I just summarized for you the entire Old Covenant. That's what it's full of. So we need this constant flow. They needed it, and we need it today, this constant flow of these Lombardi moments. And that's basically what Paul is setting up here. Now, here's something that Paul wrote to one of his students. His name was Timothy. Now, Timothy was a pastor in one of the churches that Paul started. 
Now, Timothy seems to be among one of the closest friends and mentees of Paul. He was a student of Paul. And here's what Paul wrote in a letter to Timothy. Here's what he wrote. Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. He said, always remember, and that word he uses for remember means, I want you to remember now and keep on remembering. So this is not just a moment, it's moment after moment after moment of remembering. He's saying, Timothy, do not forget this. You will never move beyond this. Don't forget it. This is fundamental. This is foundational. Keep this, no matter where you are in your life of learning, keep this at the top. Here we go. He said, always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. Now, that's a head-scratcher for me. Why in the world would Paul say that to Timothy? Why in the world would Paul say that to Timothy? Because here's the thing. Timothy was completely sold out. Now, we could make a case when he was saying that to the church at Corinth. They were all new believers. And so, yeah, the new believers, let's stick to the basics. But he's saying this to Timothy, who is a pastor, a mentee, a student of Paul's. He knew what Paul knew. He was his student. Why in the world would he say this to someone who is completely sold out, who is dedicated to Jesus, who has been learning and teaching the higher things? Why would he say this? Why would he remind Timothy of the most simple gospel, the good news? Because Timothy is all in. And yet, Paul is saying, don't forget this, Timothy. Jesus, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. Perhaps, just perhaps, Paul is humble enough to admit the truth. We are all, including Timothy, who was sold out, including Paul, who was the expert, we are all notorious forgetters. You and me, we forget the importance of the basics. And you know this. It's when we get comfortable. It's when we get satisfied with our knowledge or with our routine. I do this on Sunday. I do this. I do that. You know, our routine, our knowledge, our understanding, and our experience with Jesus. We get comfortable. And it's in those moments that we often forget the basics of the truth. That that is what supersedes all other truth in this entire universe. It's amazing. When we began to forget the basics, Jesus, 101 level class, we began to get a little bit disillusioned with all this stuff. It's when we began to forget those basics that we began to look at ourselves and look around and ask the question, is this it? Is this what following Jesus is all about? Really? Is this all there is to it? Is there anything more? It's when we get comfortable 
that we begin to experience discomfort and saying, is this all there is? Jesus? But discomfort can be a powerful thing. It can be a powerful uh, leveraging tool that nudges us to remember again. When we forget the basics of Jesus and Him crucified, we begin to drift from Jesus and Him crucified. We begin to drift. Our hearts begin to drift. And we often begin to experience this discomfort. And it can allow us this moment to come back to Him in humility to come back to Him. But unfortunately, that's not what often happens. Unfortunately, what often happens is we begin to wonder. Instead of remembering the basics, we begin to wonder. We wander away and we wonder in our minds. We begin looking for tips and tricks and techniques. And maybe I don't have the spirit. Maybe I don't have this. Maybe I don't have that. And we start looking for the next big deep thing. We're searching for that statement or that movement that will bring us back to the excitement that we once had in following Jesus. We're looking for something to inspire us and to motivate us. Let me give you one from my generation. Who remembers WWJD? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? I I loved it. I enjoyed it. And it was good for what it was for. I mean, it was good. I had the wristbands. I had the t-shirts. I didn't have the hats. There's no hat that fits this giant head. One size fits, no. <laughs> Not this. And so, but I did have the t-shirt and the wristbands. Um, it, it was a great slogan. It did a good job of helping us to kind of regain perspective about our situation. But it did have a flaw, at least one. We were placing Jesus, so I can remember back in about 1996 when this was going on. We were placing Jesus in 1996 scenarios that he was never in in 0033, year 0033. And then we tried to decide what would Jesus do in that scenario in 1996. That's what we were trying to figure out. Again, it was okay. It was not a bad thing. But the whole success of it, it begins and ends with one piece of information. It's a question that everything desperately depended upon the answer, what would Jesus do? And the answer to that was this, how well do you really know the true Jesus? Because the less you know the truth about Jesus, the more likely you are to make a mistake when you're trying to imagine his behavior in your specific circumstance in 1996. But even that fresh new 1990s idea depends on the basics, the fundamentals. It depends on remembering, as Paul wrote, the foundation, Jesus, from King David's line, Prophecies fulfilled. He lived and he died. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. He's raised to life where he is right now. Folks, this is Jesus. And it is on this that everything else must flow. Here's the point. If we are focused on following Jesus, but we are disconnected 
from who Jesus really actually is, then we are most certainly headed for disillusionment. And we are speeding toward a Jesus plus worship that we talked about on week number one. And we're speeding towards the bell curve that we talked about week number two. Because in our efforts to grow, sometimes we miss the point that Jesus alone is enough. But let's give ourselves a little bit of a break. Not be too hard on ourselves. You see, we've never actually face-to-face met Jesus. Not physically, not in person. But in the first century, at year 0033, somewhere around there, there were people who knew him personally, who dined with him, who talked with him, who walked with him. They could reach out and they could physically touch Jesus. Now, certainly those people who dined with, lived with, walked with Jesus would never confuse who he is, right? Wrong. On Resurrection Sunday, we're talking the literal day Jesus walked out of the tomb. Two of his followers were leaving town. They were walking. They were hitting the road. They were leaving town. Understandably, they were super distraught. Because they had just watched Jesus be crucified, killed three days earlier. Here's where we're going to pick up that story in Luke chapter 24. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. So he's incognito. Jesus asked them, Fellas, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replies, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that has happened in the last few days. In other words, where have you been? Weird stranger. Everyone knows what's been going on. Jesus asked, what things? He continues, the things that happened to Jesus. The man, triple underline that, Because now they're realizing, hey, the Messiah's not going to die. This was just a man. The man from Nazareth, they said. These were some of his followers. The man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet. That's what they thought of him. This man, we hoped he was the Messiah. He must have just been a prophet. This prophet, because all the other prophets died too. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles And he was a mighty teacher. So there's another descriptor. He's a man. He's a prophet. He was just this mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest and our other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they 
crucified him. Now we go into the sadness. We had hope. In other words, we don't anymore. We did, but now we don't because he's dead. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This happened three days ago. We thought he might be, but wow, were we wrong. We didn't see any of this coming. Man, we were wrong. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe that all the prophets, what uh, hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in Scripture. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then, I love this, Jesus takes them to school, to rabbi school. He goes all the way back to the beginning of time and he walks them through scripture saying, see, it was written. See, it was written. That was Jesus. That was Jesus. That was the Messiah. That was Jesus. See, it was written. He goes through all the old covenant. Then Jesus took them, verse 27, through the writings of Moses. That's the first five books in the old covenant. And all the prophets, those are the next books, all those things about the major prophets, minor prophets explaining from all the scripture the things concerning himself. For three years, for three years, these guys had been a part on some level of learning directly from Jesus. They knew him personally. At some points they dined with him, they talked with him, they walked with him, they could reach out and touch him. That's what they did for three years. And here, it's as if Jesus is saying, fellas, have you forgotten everything? None of this should be a surprise to you. It's all written down. And besides that, we talked about it. But somehow they missed it. Just like we miss it. We miss the basics. We miss the fundamentals. We miss the truth that supersedes all truth. The thing that if we don't get right, nothing else in this life matters. We have to get Jesus right. And this event with these men on this road, it ends with them finally, after Jesus leaves, with them finally recognizing they had just spent the entire afternoon with Jesus. And they didn't even know it. We have said from week number one of this series that this series, the five weeks of January are going to serve as a foundation for everything, everything that we teach in 2023. And as long as Jesus is simply an outside influence on our lives and not an all-in reality for us, we are going to struggle to understand and we are going to therefore struggle to trust him more and more and struggle to love him more and more. 
sometimes the fundamentals are fundamentals because they are the foundation. So what is that foundation? Let me give you our foundation right now. Jesus is God. He put on the flesh of man to dwell among us. And he lived a sinless life so that he could be crucified as the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. The past sins, the present sins, and all the future sins. And three days later, Jesus proved that it, that there was, it was an impossibility to refute as the resurrection when he walked out of that grave alive. Folks, that is the fundamental. That is the one foundation. And that is the basis for absolutely everything else. And we can't forget that. No matter how much we have grown as his followers, no matter how, how deep our thinking we feel like it has become or that we might think that it is, we should never be so proud that we can't remind church this is Jesus. Let's begin there. Stuttgart Harvest Church, let's begin there. Even if you believe that you have mastered this course and you're ready to move on to deeper, more complicated things in following Him, let this be a gentle reminder that it all begins right here. Let's not forget this. Jesus, a descendant of King David, was crucified. And three days later, he was alive, and he is still alive today. And that changes absolutely everything. Let's pray. Jesus, I don't want to get so deep that I begin to scoff at the foundation of everything. Help me to never leave the reality that you, God, came and you were tortured and murdered to pay the price for my rebellion. When I move past that, God, when I forget that, when I get disillusioned, I search for something more. I begin to worship other things. I begin to worship my dedication. I, I begin to worship my understanding. I begin to, to, to worship my life. And God, those things will never satisfy me. Help me to be humble enough to start every single day with the foundation of you, Jesus, crucified. You, Jesus, resurrected. And may that give us life every single day. In your name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen and amen.